Hello and welcome to the Access Health Radio question and answer show. Welcome to Access Health Radio. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be discussing questions that we've received so far over the last couple of years and the answers to them on Access Health Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Mike Davis, and it's a different format today, not focusing on just one topic, but instead uh, digging through the mailbag, as they say, uh, some of the most asked questions that Dr. Brian Forrest has received recently. And remember, you can submit your future questions for the show at accesshealthradio.com. Okay, Doc, uh, from our first batch of questions, uh, Dr. Forrest, I've been hearing a lot about this on the news, and apparently our listeners have some questions about what is triple E and what can people do to protect themselves from it. Yeah, it's a really scary uh, type infection. A lot of the a lot of the world's most dangerous infections are uh, insect born, and uh, this one is no different. So EEE stands for Eastern Equine Encephalitis, and you know it's uh, closely related to some other types, but uh, you know transmission to humans requires a mosquito. Uh, that can sort of create the bridge between birds and, you know, other mammals uh, that, that typically would be infected. So, you know, this is a disease that you don't catch person to person. It's not contagious that way. Uh, but anywhere where there's mosquitoes, there's the potential uh, to spread this, this uh, disease. And it is very dangerous. So uh, at this point, uh, you know, the mortality rate is roughly 30%. Mm. Um, so up to a third of people who get it die. And the worst part is there's no real treatment. Um, people are usually hospitalized. Uh, they're supported. They try to control their, uh, if they have brain swelling or if they have breathing problems, they try to support that in the hospital, but there's no real way to treat it. Uh, and so it's something that where prevention is very, very important. So, uh, you know, one of the things people would say is, well, how can I make sure I don't get triple E? Well, don't get bitten by a mosquito. <laughs> uh, you know, I tell people all the time that mosquitoes to me are like little flying hypodermic syringes. Uh, if you think about it, they go and they, they put that little bill into people uh, and they suck out some blood and then they fly over to somebody else and put that same needle in. Uh, and so they're literally taking that needle and they're just moving it around from person to person and animal to animal and animal to bird and that kind of thing. So uh, it really is one of the world's most dangerous animals. You, you might think it would be a poisonous snake or something like that, uh, but it really is the mosquito. And uh, so this Triple E is dangerous. Uh, North Carolina uh, is, in, is one of the top states uh, for Triple E. There's been some in the Northeast, some around New York and Florida. Uh, but North Carolina does have its uh, fair share of that. Uh, one of the things to make sure you do is besides trying to, you know, not be out in the mosquito peak times, you know, like dawn and dusk, uh, you know, using an effective uh, insect repellent. Uh, we know that DEET is effective. Uh, DEET, though, does have a terrible smell. Some people have a, a type of reaction to it. Not real fond of using high concentrations of DEET in children. Uh, so I actually like uh, some of the picardin uh, insect repellents. Uh, those have been shown to be uh, as effective as DEET in some cases against mosquitoes. Uh, and they're much more tolerable and they're, they're safer to use on, on children. Uh, also, you know, wearing long pants and and uh, long sleeves when you can, uh, looking out for mosquito netting and that kind of thing is also good to do. 
All right, Dr. Forrest. Now, this next question, boy, this has been in the news just this week, uh, and it's concerning vaping. And there's been a lot of concern about this. Our listeners want to know uh, the difference between uh, vaping and smoking. And I know the, the stories that we have heard here just recently, it seems to be, you know, it looks like neither one of them is great, but a lot of people have thought about vaping as being uh, maybe a safer alternative to smoking, whereas smoking will uh, affect your health over the long term. It's more like seems recently uh, the stories have been with vaping. Uh, it's just like, bam, you dead. That's right. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. It is scary. So, you know, regular smoking involves actual combustion and burning of leaves, you know, either from tobacco or other plants. Um, vaping uh, involves using a device that usually uses a heating element to vaporize, uh, you know, a solution or turn it into sort of a fog. And that liquid contains chemicals and sometimes it contains nicotine. Sometimes it contains other drugs like THC. Uh, as you may be aware, THC is actually the active ingredient in marijuana. Um, and although vaping has been used by some smokers as a way to quit smoking, uh, we are learning that it still has some, but not all of the health hazards of traditional smoking. And this year so far, there have been 18 deaths tied directly to vaping. Uh, and now it's important to note that in most of those cases, 77% uh, that active ingredient from marijuana, THC, was involved. Uh, but the really scary part about vaping is that it is really taking over the youth and we've actually seen smoking rates increasing for the first time in years uh, amongst teenagers and even middle schoolers uh, because of uh, this vaping technology. And 40% of the people who have suffered or died uh, from some of these uh, lung-related problems to vaping have been under 21 years old. So, you know, where it's really scary, I think, is for our, you know, our, our children and our teenagers uh, because they've been doing this in record numbers. Uh, it, it becomes sort of a gateway potentially into regular smoking and other things. Uh, but besides that, you know, they might, you know, be vaping and thinking, hey, this isn't really that bad. And if it is going to hurt me, it's going to take a long time. And it turns out, you know, it might hurt them right now. So uh, it's something we really want to be aware of and careful of. All right. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. More of your questions for Dr. Brian Forrest straight ahead on Access Health Radio. Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest from Apex, North Carolina. I'm Mike Davis. Questions and answers today. Your questions, Dr. Forrest answers. And our next question, something that we have talked about briefly on the show in the past, but this question has to do with the Medicare Shared Savings Program and how it might affect what tests your doctor orders or what referrals they send you for. Can you shed some light on how that program works, Doc? Yes. So the Medicare Shared Savings Program is a, uh, a program by CMS, which are the folks that sort of administer and manage Medicare. And it is a program. It's been the, the law that put it into place has been in place for a few years now. I think the final rule came out in 2015. Um, but what it does, it's sort of the idea is to improve quality and decrease cost for people, particularly, you know, Medicare recipients. 
And so I'm all for, I'm a big fan of improving quality. I'm all about that. Uh, but there's sort of a, a, a negative side potentially to this. And, and that's uh, tying, uh, you know, physician uh, payments uh, and even hospital system payments uh, to how much of Medicare's money is spent. And, uh, you know, by shared savings, what that really means is if, if you as a physician, uh, you know, can make it cheaper for us uh, in terms of what we spend on a Medicare patient next year than what it would have cost last year, we're basically going to give you part of that money. So if you, if you prescribe cheaper drugs, uh, you know, potentially regardless of the, the side effects or how well they work, if you prescribe cheaper drugs, if you do less referrals, uh, maybe you refer people for uh, you know, less services than, than you did the year before, uh, then what happens is uh, as part of a, what's called an accountable care organization, uh, if you save Medicare money, uh, they will distribute a big portion of the money that's saved directly back to uh, to the physicians and the hospital systems and those type things uh, that save the money. And, uh, you know, again, this was meant to be for quality and cost. And initially, uh, the idea was that quality was going to be the focus. You know, if you were keeping people from going back into the hospital, if you were, you know, keeping them healthier, that was what the payment was going to be tied to. And it is. And part of the payment is tied to that. But what's a little concerning is the priorities have shifted. So uh, just this year, uh, what happens is the amount of the physician pay or accountable care organization potentially savings uh, that comes back or affects pay uh, is twice as much on the cost, the amount of Medicare's money you spend as it is on the quality. So last year it was twice as much, you know, of the quality and, and half as much of the cost. And this year it's inverted. So now the thing that's going to be more important uh, in terms of how uh, healthcare professionals are getting paid who are participating in these shared savings arrangements is based on how much of Medicare's money they spend. Now, uh, I thought about if I would tell this quick story or not, but I think I think I will. Uh, I had a, a patient uh, in the last couple of years, uh, and he was someone who had had uh, you know bilateral joint replacements. He had both knees uh, replaced. He needed new joints, and the first time he had his knee replaced uh, was a few years ago. And the surgeon, uh, you know, after the the surgery, uh, he sent him for physical therapy and rehab, and the patient did really really well, recovered fantastically, and. More recently, he went back and had the other knee replaced uh, with the exact same surgeon that he'd had the first time. And one of the things that was different is he did not get the rehab and physical therapy ordered the second time that he did with the first knee. So he was in for an office visit, and he was asking me about that. And I told him a little bit about this program we're talking about now and said, you know, you really should go back and ask your surgeon. If he's part of an accountable care organization under the Medicare Shared Savings Program, and if he actually potentially referred you for less services thinking it would save Medicare money, and that patient did that, he went back to that surgeon and he asked him, and sure enough, the surgeon was felt caught red-handed. You mm -hmm. know, the patient said the look on his face was astonished that he knew that this existed, and he told him, yes, 
that did impact my decision, and I will go ahead and set you up to get the those services that you need. Wow. Um, and he did great. He was fine. You know, he did good with his knee and everything. But it was it was just shocking for the patient to find out that that the amount of you know rehab and physical therapy that he had ordered might be tied to the fact that the physicians uh, might get an incentive from Medicare. To, to order less or to do less because it would save money. So that's sort of the concerning side of it. So I, I would say to anybody, if you, uh, you know, if you're uh, seeing a, a Medicare participating provider uh, or specialist uh, or in any situation where you get a service, uh, you should always ask them. You should ask them, do you participate in an accountable care organization? Do you participate in the Medicare shared savings program? And if they do, uh, just the fact that you ask that question will let them know that you're aware that that can influence their decision making because it may influence their pay. Uh, and so it's really important that patients are aware of that. Um, there is, we'll put a link on the website uh, that people can go and actually read from Medicare about this program. Um, but it's, it's uh, you know, this is a law that passed several years ago. The final rule was in uh, June of 2015. Uh, so this is out there for anybody to read about. Um, but it's really important to know that uh, you know there might be a conflict of interest at times between what necessarily is best for the patient versus what costs less for, for Medicare. And, and you just have to be careful, make sure those decisions are always made uh, in terms of what's going to be best for the patient, regardless of the cost, which yeah. is sort of how, how I look at it. You know, I want to be cost effective. I want people to get the, the least expensive treatment, least expensive medications they can. But I don't want them not to get treatment or medications that really are best for them or that they need because they save the insurance company or Medicare money. I yeah. think that's really important. Absolutely. It's called full disclosure. Yes, and I agree. That's what needs to be made. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Brian Forrest is a board-certified family physician from Apex. This is Access Health Radio. Our question and answer show, our next question, Doc, is about genetic cancer testing. We've talked about that on the show in the past. The question is, where can patients get tested for having an increased risk for cancer? Follow-up question. Uh, how should I know which tests to get, and how much do they cost? Well, there are there are lots of uh, facilities where you can get genetic te uh, testing for cancer genes. Uh, it's really pretty simple now. Um, you're talking about something you can be tested for in about uh, 30 seconds. Uh, now that's that's to collect the specimen. It takes you know a couple days to get the results back. Um, how do you know if you need it? Well. Um, generally speaking, if you have a strong family history of cancer, if you, if you know that you've had first degree relatives, you know, uh, mother, father, brothers, sisters, children, uh, that have had, um, a cancer, then you may be at higher risk, particularly with certain types like, uh, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, uh, prostate cancer, those type things. And so if you had a first degree relative, it makes sense to make an appointment uh, with your physician and ask about that. And recently, uh, the uh, USPSTF, which is the organization that makes recommendations about screening, uh, said that for high-risk uh, people, women, uh, either who had those, those relatives or who had had a previous cancer themselves, they recommended the genetic testing or people from certain uh, backgrounds uh, uh, or ethnic groups like uh, Ashkenazi Jewish people. So having said that, uh, 
it's really better to talk with somebody about if you sh- if it's right for you to get tested. Uh, they don't do this at every office. They don't do this at every facility. Uh, we do offer this testing at our office. Uh, in terms of cost, uh, the cost over the past few years has 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 improved some. Uh, you know, but it can run as much as four to five hundred dollars for a single genetic uh, test. Uh, the one we do in our office, uh, we kind of feel like if we're going to test for one, uh, since the cost is no more really to test for all 26 in this panel, uh, we just test for all 26 of the cancer genes, um, and it's under $400 uh, So uh, for all of those tests. Uh, but it is pricey compared to some other things. It's just that the technology for this is very uh, is relatively new, and it's expensive to run. Uh, but if you do have a, a really strong family history and are concerned about, you know, finding out if you're at risk, uh, this is something you can ask your doctor about. And if it's not something they do, uh, you, there's there's plenty of places, uh, you know, in the area where you could find to get that done. All right. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. Time now for the Access Health Tip of the Week. We are always looking for ways to save our patients and listeners on their health care and prescription medications, and a big one is prescription medications. Uh, we've discovered a local gym of a pharmacy in Apex called WeCare, and this pharmacy has had terrific customer service for our patients, and it also offers free delivery in the triangle. The best part, the thing that we've liked about them the best is that they're willing to price match any of the other local pharmacies in the area so that you know you're always getting the best price. Uh, the number at We Care is uh, 919-629-6010 if you want to check them out. Again, that's uh, the We Care Pharmacy, uh, independently owned and operated in Apex. Straight ahead, some more valuable information for you at our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week. This is Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis. Time now for the Access Health Trivia of the Week, Doc. Did you know that the percentage of your doctor's pay that can be affected by how much of Medicare's money they spend is doubling from 15% to 30%? That means a significant portion of a participating Medicare provider's payment will be tied to how much of Medicare's money they spend on you. Uh, the less referrals they do, the less tests they order, uh, the more money they're going to make as a reimbursement. So this even affects the medications they prescribe. So if they put you on a less expensive medicine, regardless of the side effects or how well it works, that may actually make them more money. Wow. Yeah. All right, Dr. Forrest, uh, this has been our question and answer show for today. And if people have more questions for you or they want information about your practice, where can they go to find out? Uh, if they'd like information about the medical practice in Apex, they can go to acchealth.com or they can call 919-363-0190. If they want to send questions to the show, uh, they can send that to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. And if they'd like to listen to a podcast after the show uh, in an on-demand fashion, or if there's somebody else they want to listen to the show afterwards, they can find that on WPTF.com. And we'll also have links to that on our landing page at AccessHealthRadio.com. And that's all the time we have for this week, Dr. Forrest. Our scripture this week is from Jeremiah 33, 6. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.